just a little precursor to today's episode. Um, we are currently in the middle of a writer's strike slash actor's strike. And Ghibli does not count as part of it because it's not an American uh, company. But if there's any mentions we make of any movie, different studios, any, anything like that, some of this has been recorded prior to the writer's strike. And we're both going to do our best not to mention any specific companies by names that may be under the strike. That's all I wanted to say. Enjoy. Previously on Research, Rank, Repeat. We are finally ready for something that has been in the works since before we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. But yes, so we are doing every single animated movie from Studio Ghibli. I like that you can almost see how this influences so many other things. Like, she is a lot like the Avatar Mm -hmm. in her, like, spiritual guiding of these ohm, of these insects, um, in a way similar to the Avatar guiding spirits. And there's not a lot of negatives. I will say, a lot of children screaming and crying, and I could really do without all that. But that's just, again, a personal thing I have against children. (laughs) Yeah. In general. I mean, Totoro is also an icon. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Body positivity icon. Yeah. Can I just say, um, can you imagine sitting in the movie theater, you've just finished crying your eyes out, watching what is arguably one of the saddest anime movies, and then all of a sudden it just goes, (laughs) Totoro. (laughs) Welcome. This is Research Rank Repeat. I am one of your co-hosts, Alyssa. This is co-host Hannah. And we are back with another episode of our Studio Ghibli or Ghibli ranking. Now, Hannah. Oh, sorry. Go first. No, I was just going to say, as you heard in the intro. As you heard in the intro. Yeah, so we started doing a previously on for our episodes that are multi-part. So that way you can follow along with wherever we left off. Or if you're like Hannah and I, (laughs) we recorded the first episode of this grouping almost a year ago. Yeah. 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 We had high hopes. Basically, recording this was what caused our hiatus. It's what broke us. It's what broke us for a couple months. Uh, We really stretched ourselves way too thin. Do you know how many how many edits I had to make to the first episode to cut things that we had said? Right. About, oh yeah, we'll be back next week. Yeah, we won't. Like Pixar, we actually have lives now. Yeah. We can go outside and go do things. Yeah. So we don't have the luxury of being hidden indoors trying to dodge a pandemic, you know? But anyway, we're back. It's been a hot minute. We're here. Mm-hmm. In the year of 1991 is where we're currently at, Hannah. Still not born yet. Five years. Still don't exist. Five years, baby. Guess what? By the time we get to the third movie, we still won't exist. Yeah, it's okay. Not yet. Soon, though. Soon. Our time is coming. 
So our first film that we are talking about today is called Only Yesterday, which is also known as, quote, memories come tumbling down. I think it's like the Japanese translation of the, the title. Right. It was released in 1991 in July. The movie is an hour and 59 minutes long. Rated PG. Now, this movie is directed and written by um, Isao Takahata, who is one of the primary directors of Studio Ghibli, along with uh, Hayao Miyazaki. It was composed by um, Katz Hoshi, who is apparently, this is the only film that they ever composed for. I don't know if they have composed for other things as well, but particularly for this studio. It is described as an animated drama film, and the ending theme, which is Aiwahuna Kimiwa Sanotane, and I probably butchered that Japanese, apologies out there. But anyway, that is the Japanese translation of the song The Rose, Hannah. Some say love, love it is a hunger. That That burns. It's by, so it's a song uh, written by Amanda McBroom, but famously sung by Bette Midler in the movie The Rose, which is what it was written for. Also famously known as the song that Napoleon Dynamite does a sign language presentation to in school and just aggressively does the butterfly move over and over again. And it's funny because it was very apparent to me listening to it that that was that song, even though it was in Japanese. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> as soon as I heard it, I was like, this is the rose. Yeah. This is the rose. I love the rose. I was so excited when I heard that. So this movie was uh, actually a box office surprise success. It wasn't expected to do as well as it did. It was really big with, with adult audiences. So a lot of adults came to watch this movie. And it actually was the highest grossing film in Japan of 1991 and uh, grossed 3.1 8 billion yen. Things of note that I found is that this was originally a manga that was translated into a film. And so something unique with this film, Hannah, is that the animation generally is done first in most Japanese animation projects. However, in this film, the dialogue was recorded before the animation was done to create more a more realistic than normal style, if you, that's something that you noticed. Mm-hmm. The facial animations were very, like, exaggerated, mm-hmm. I guess is the way I will say that. And some of the voice actors actually recorded their lines together, which also is not very typical um, as well. Something that they did do is they, during the childhood, the scenes that take place in the past focused on a 10-year-old version of the main character. They did what they would normally do, where they made the animation before they recorded the dialogue so it could kind of have a little bit of like a a fantasy like a contrasting to the reality of life like by giving this like different look to the past Mm -hmm. to kind of differentiate between present and past which i thought was very interesting yeah the um youth scenes are taken directly from the manga and then the adult parts I think were specifically written for the film, at least to my understanding of what I was uh, reading on Wikipedia, our most trusted source. There also was a really big influence of Eastern European themes in this film, specifically with farming and rural life. Um, Several songs were included folk songs from Hungarian and Bulgarian folklore 
So songs that were directly like used in the film and also in the background in some scenes as well. There was a live action special of this created in 2021, so really recently, about the main character as a 64-year-old woman and her family. And the 25th anniversary in 2016 saw the first English dub of this film and first English release. Now, Hannah, here's a fun fact for you that I think you'll find really interesting. Walt holding the rights to all of these films, refused to release this film in the U.S. and in English. Why do you think they refused to do that, Hannah? Having seen this movie. I can't remember if there was something wrong. Hold on. (laughs) Oh. There wasn't anything wrong. Oh, because they talked about periods? Yes. They uh, refused to release it due to its, quote, candid treatment of menstruation in flashbacks about elementary school girls. Because we love that. It's not like half the population has a period, so... You had to wait for turning red. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking of was turning red. It's like literally the first representation ever in any And this was in 1991? This was in 1991. Not to mention one of the movies we're talking about after, again, does the same thing. What a fun fact that is, Hannah. Walt hates women. (laughs) We we always knew. (laughs) We're not allowed to talk about our periods. Mm-hmm. It's not okay, Hannah. You gotta shush, 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 shush. Just like we can't talk about the about the gays. The gays. I know. I was like, is there a gay character in this movie? Is that why Disney didn't want it? No. It's literally periods. Yeah. <laughs> the film has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 90 on Metacritic. All right. Now for the summary that was um, provided by now known as Max. Not HBO. Just Max. Your streaming service sucks now. It does suck. Trying to cast it to a TV, you can't get subtitles unless you do it like 20 times. Also, I'm really annoyed that they make different versions. So if I, because I've I've done both English and Japanese for some of them, I switch back and forth, but I have to pick the specific one I want. Yeah, they have two things I have to click on. I can't just switch while I'm watching like any other streaming right. service that exists in the world. On to the summary. <laughs> Taiko decides to visit her relatives in the country. As the train travels through the night, memories flood back of her younger years. That's it. Short and simple. Short and sweet. So I watched this in Japanese. I did too. They animated it to match the voice. I was like, I should watch it in Japanese because right. if I'm watching in English, that doesn't really necessarily translate over. I knew absolutely nothing about this film. Yeah, I was going to ask if you'd seen this. I haven't seen this. Never heard of it. Okay. Never I seen it. It was certainly not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But I found it very charming. Very well put together. I loved it. It was really, really interesting film. Yeah. Honestly, might be one of the best soundtracks so the far. The soundtrack? I wrote a note about the soundtrack. Because it was so different. It was, mm-hmm. uh, like like I said, there was the Hungarian and, and Bulgarian influences, and that made for a really unique feel that we don't get yeah. in a lot of these other films. Because a lot of these, I mean, a lot of these films have fantastic soundtracks. So, like, this one, though, stands mm-hmm. out. It's very unique. Yeah. We've had movies before on this podcast, and just movies I've watched in general that struggle with doing a time jump situation where they're going back and forth. And they were able to do it so well. Like, at the beginning, I didn't even understand 
what was happening at first. I didn't realize it was the same store, the same person. And then I figured it out pretty quickly, but they, they like were able to like weave it so seamless, seamlessly where it was like, it just jumped back and forth so clean. I found the characters to be really endearing. I found the, the story just to be very like genuine and like a really nice story. It was, I don't know. It was just really nice. I, I was invested the whole time. I never got bored. It was an, almost a two hour movie and I never was like bored. I was paying attention. Yeah. I just, overall, I thought it was like a really strong movie and I'm glad I watched it. Remember how I said I was glad we did Pixar so I could have watched Cars 3? Yeah. I kind of feel that way about this where it's like, I don't I know do if too. I ever would have seen this movie had we not, well, maybe if I, you also wouldn't have been able to find it anyway until well, 2016. Yeah. It literally, you could not find it any English translation right. of this film. I mean, there's probably bootleg versions, but until right. 20, 2016. Right. But like, you know, if at some point in the future, the only reason I ever would have watched it is if at some point in the future, I was like, I'll watch all this dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never would have just watched it. So um, yeah, overall, I was really, really pleasantly surprised. I thought that a lot of the youth scenes felt incredibly impactful in different ways. There's this one scene and it's actually, I guess I'll, it's weirdly my favorite scene is there's this part where she is like creating a fuss about going to dinner with her family and, and then they're like, all right, we're going to leave you. And she like, freaks out and like walks out of the house without her shoes on and her dad just like picks her up and slaps her in the face and there's this like uncomfortable like 15 to 20 seconds of just straight silence and just like facial expressions and then like this very somber atmosphere and where she explained she's like that's the only time he's ever hit me in my life over shoes like it was just so like not typical but it had so much impact the weight was so heavy with just that one scene i also couldn't not think of the meme from uh, pride and prejudice because the main character taiko she's 27 mm-hmm. uh i'm 27 years old <laughs> i have no money no prospects and i am frightened <laughs> me and yeah. me in october <laughs> yeah yeah, but I thought there were a lot of really well done scenes. A lot of mm-hmm. like the typical uh what Ghibli does really well is the setting the scene with the scenery and music and not any really any dialogue yeah. and just kind of having like letting the scene sit and like get the feel, set the tone. A lot of really interesting camera work like that I feel yeah. like we hadn't seen in previous films. I will say I think it's really interesting and I was kind of pissed off, but Max Again, stupid name. Cut off the credits where the movie goes through the credits. So I had to re-click back on the screen because the end of the movie, you have to watch through the credits yeah, to, to see. see the actual end of the movie. Because I was like, that's a really abrupt ending. Mm-hmm. But then the, the credits went and I was like, why did it kick me out of the movie when it's not even done yet? Like, that's stupid. Because it sucks. Yeah, because it sucks. We hate Max. But it does Max. provide us with these films, so we have to say thanks. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's talk about the the period talk because apparently thought it was inappropriate to put into children's movies. Yeah. For one, I was like as soon as I heard it, I was like this is 1991, that's super cool. I love that they actually did like this whole huge segment on it. Yeah. It wasn't just like mention of a period and that's it. Right. It was like they actually had like a whole like section of the childhood segment on this topic. Yeah. And I think it's nice to see. We talked about it with Turning Red where it's like 
I guess it is like representation in a way. It's like yeah, good to it see. Is. But I think it's like cool that that they were willing to do that. And there's another movie that we're going to talk about that also had it. So mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe it's just not a as big of a deal in other countries and so taboo. Or Disney just sucks, which well, we I mean, already knew Disney, that. Disney just does suck. We knew that. We did know that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was nice to see and like, I wished growing up we had had more stuff oh, on it because for sure. it was such like a hush-hush thing. And even like when you had like health lessons in school, everyone was like embarrassed and like yeah. no one talked about it. Yeah. So I think it's cool to see. I really liked that there's a part where um, there's one of the girls who already has her period. These uh, The kids are probably what, like 11? Yeah, like 10, 11, 12. Somewhere around, around there, around there which is like generally an age where like right. girls tend to get periods. Um, or people who menstruate get periods. Right. And she was, like, sitting out at recess because of that. Like, her mom called her out. And um, Tycho's main character, she is sick, but she's like, I don't want to be associated with you. Mm-hmm. And this this other girl is like, you know, like, my mom says it's nothing to be ashamed about. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a part of life. And she's, like, very just, like, assured and not bothered by people, like, you know, the boys being assholes as they, as as young boys do. Yeah. But I thought that was really nice that it was presented in a way of like, hey, this is just a thing that happens. Live your life. It sucks. Like, you don't need to be, like, ashamed of that yeah. or, like, embarrassed. Because, like, especially, like, when I... I remember when I was, like, in high school and middle school, like, you had to hide everything. Oh, yeah. You, like, like shoved, hide it, shoved it up your sleeve. Down your shoes. Yeah. Like, tuck it into your pants. Like, bring yeah. a bag with you. Like, your pencil bag. You could not even, it ex- an exposed product. No. Like, nobody, nobody could know about it. If you had to give somebody a product, you'd do it either in the bathroom or, like, between it was like a drug your deal. lockers. <laughs> it was like a drug <laughs> deal, yeah. Like, if a friend needed a pad or a tampon, you had to, like shove it to them in the lockers like real quick like yeah like you're dealing drugs yeah right that like people all everyone knew so it was like why does it matter but i know but it's just like made into like a very like secret it has to be a secret right you know i think it's it's cool to see in a movie in the 90s when you know we were going to school in the 2000s and you never no got any of that so the amount of movies that i can think of where somebody has a period or it's referenced is only generally the only time it's ever referenced is if someone is pregnant or thinks they're pregnant. The only scene I can think of is super bad when she bleeds on him <laughs> at the party. Yeah. But that's like men as like a joke, like You're right. I forgot you know, about that. Like a gross situation. Yeah. Cause I can think of Sister of the Trialing Pants too, when she uh Tibby thinks she's Oh, pregnant, she gets her period. Yeah. And she gets her period. I think it's just one of those things that people like get uncomfortable talking about. So they just, like, don't... You know what I mean? They want to, like, pretend it doesn't exist, but whatever. Guess what? It's, like, half the population. It does exist. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyways, so that was nice to see. I thought the two leads had a really good chemistry for never having, like, expressed any romantic Mm -hmm. uh, physical contact with each other. Yeah. Because they only ever interact without touching. Yeah. No, and, and usually a lot of their scenes had other people in them, or right. they, even if they were, like, a lot of them were in the car, they were driving. Yeah. But I think they had, like, really, like, it felt... Na- it felt really natural. Natural. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes movies, it feels, like, really forced, or it just feels like they're, like, over-exaggerating, or some sort of thing, but it felt like how it would naturally be, which was cool. And I, yeah. I liked... The ending, I wasn't sure where they were going with it I because at either. one point I thought maybe she was just going to like stay on the train and not come back. And I was like, honestly, I wouldn't mind that ending because it leaves it like ambiguous. 
Um, but it was also fine that she came back. I didn't have an issue with yeah. that because it wasn't. It didn't feel. It didn't feel forced. Yeah, and it didn't feel unexpected because I hate when movies do that thing where it's like there's no whatever, and then they just randomly show up. I feel like this one she was thinking about it and had been brought up, so it felt normal. And I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed this movie. I it was really heartwarming. It was. It made me feel good. Yeah. Um, and I, you I know, teared up a little bit. Yeah. There's a scene where she is like really struggling with math, really failed a test, like at like a twenty five percent. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And there's this part where her mom and her older sister are talking and she's like, can you just help her with her homework? And while she's coming down the stairs, she's just like, there's something wrong with her. Like, mm-hmm. and didn't mean for her to hear that. But yeah. I was just like, oh, I was like, yeah, like, that's not something you forget. Like, no. you hear something like that, you will remember that forever. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that is like, so impactful. That like, made me tear up a little bit because I was like, oh, no. Yeah. And as an adult, she still couldn't remember yeah. it so clearly. And like, mm-hmm. I that's true, though. That kind of stuff is like stuff that sticks with you especially if it comes from like a parent or someone that you like look up to yeah but yeah i just overall i thought it was really good and yeah i thought it was very surprising i wasn't expecting to like it as much as i did i'm just trying to see if i have any other oh you know what's (laughs) this is kind of like a just a funny thing i wrote down when the family's eating pineapple for the first time Mm -hmm. i'm like that's like me because i'm always unsure if i like it or not and i'm like taking more bites of it (laughs) I did but like yeah. that because they're like, they got it when it wasn't ripe and then right. we're just like sad about how hard, like, And they're like, the canned one is better. And I was like, man. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny. You ever think maybe you're allergic to pineapple and that's why you don't like it that much? Yeah, because um, a lot of times when I eat it, my tongue gets itchy. and Yeah, so probably you don't like it because that's kind of like why I think yeah. I don't really like mangoes because I'm yeah. allergic to mango. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I could be. Oops. I don't know. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really really interesting. Really well done stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready to go into favorites? I'm ready. Okay. Um favorite character I went with Tycho. I went with Tycho as well. It's hard not to pick her because I felt like we got so much development. We got to see mm-hmm. her from being a child to an adult. And I just thought she was a really compelling character too. She was independent, which I liked. It was just nice. Nice to see a character like that. Yeah, because also, we didn't mention, this movie takes place in the 80s. So, like, when she's a child, I think it's 1970 or 1960. 60-something, like, late 60s, early 70s. There's, like, parts where she's like, yeah, I work and, like, most of my friends are single and, like, not married. Really, that's, like, normal now. Like, especially in Tokyo, like, in a big city, that was, like, becoming a normalized It was, like, a shift into that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, like, saw her outfit, and I'm like, this looks very 80s. And then when yeah. they were like, oh, I was like, I'm on. Makes spot sense. on. You got it. You got that fashion. I got it. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I think she's really well developed. I think it's really interesting to see her perspective as a child, because you can mm-hmm. see her faults or, like, struggles and things that she had difficulties with. And I felt like the flow between past and present was done really interesting mm-hmm. in a way that like things made sense with why they were placed where they were i guess mm-hmm. there wasn't a scene from like childhood that was just filler like yeah they all were there for a reason which i love because i hate when movies just throw in a scene for filler and it felt like every scene they did had a purpose and was used to add depth to her character yeah which i liked i did yeah. too uh, so I already mentioned it, but my favorite scene was the slap scene just because I thought it was a really impactful scene. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if this is like cheating, but I just wrote that like my favorite scene was like 
the shifts between childhood to adult, like those little moments where it started to shift. I just really liked all of them. I thought they were done really well. I didn't write down a specific line. I don't know if you have one. I had one from, so they're singing this song towards the end of the film and it's like if today's no good you'll have tomorrow if tomorrow's no good you'll have the next day basically like optimistic like hey you could have a shitty day but then right. you got tomorrow and if it also sucks you got the next day like keep living on one day it will not suck you know? sometimes it's years <laughs> yeah sometimes it takes a while but like i liked the optimistic point of view that was taken with that so yeah yeah you know what my favorite line actually was what some say love, <laughs> but in Japanese. Yeah. Favorite Ghibli moment, you kind of already mentioned it. It was the scene where she was younger and she was talking to a boy that she liked mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they like had a little like moment together and said something about like, oh, cloudy or yeah, sunny. Do you, sunny yeah. or cloudy day. And they both said they like a cloudy day. Showing her floating on cloud nine feeling and like showing that and just the music i got chills i was like oh this is like nice so i really liked that scene as well but the one i picked for my um ghibli moment specifically the scenes of them or her driving through the countryside with like these like hungarian like folk songs playing i thought were really well done and like kind of just gave this like Especially when she leaves Tokyo and comes to the countryside, just the contrast, just the big open fields and everything involved with that I thought was really, really well done. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on? Sure. Second film we have is Porco Rosso? Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso. So this movie is an hour and 34 minutes, uh, 1992, so the next year, and was rated PG. It had a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which I thought was cool to grab a Letterboxd rating. You know, I probably should have done that. I didn't think about that. Well, it came up on Google. I was surprised. Oh, really? Movie was written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. And it's based on, um, in English, The Age of the Flying Boat, which is a three-part 1989 watercolor manga made by Miyazaki. The score is composed by our uh, good old best friend, Joe Hiyashashi. So at the box office was $44.6 million. The film was originally planned as a short in-flight film for Japan Airlines, but grew into a feature-length film. And because this was the case, the airline actually had a lot of investment into this film, like money-wise. And it was shown as in-flight film long before it was released in Japan. And because of this, which I did notice when I was watching this, the opening text appears in 10 different languages. Yes. It scrolls across the screen and it's like a bunch of different languages. They did that for the plane. It was like Arabic, French, yeah, English, German, Japanese, yeah. Korean. Uh, Maybe Russian? Yeah, there was a lot. Italian? Was, yeah, yeah. a lot. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. So Miyazaki has said that... During the time they were producing this movie, there was uh, a lot of conflicts breaking out. There was a war in Yugoslavia and uh, different conflicts that had been going on. Um, And he said because of this, it made the movie a lot more complicated and difficult in terms of like the way the movie ended up turning out compared to what they originally were planning on doing with it. Which I can tell having seen it. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, so the jets that are shown in this movie uh, bear a large resemblance to actual Giselle. <laughs> Giselle. Giselle. Actual jets that were designed in Italy. I should say all this information is from Wikipedia. Of course. So one of the designers of the actual jets is Carlo Ferrerin, whose name is used for Marco's Air Force pilot friend um, in the film. That's where that name comes from. Okay. Um, And then the American character of Curtis is said to have been named after Glenn Hammond Curtis, who um, was an American aviation pioneer and who actually worked with the Wright brothers and created like a aviation company, essentially. Um, and also they said it also loosely was based off of Ronald Reagan uh, because of like ambition of Hollywood and like all this stuff. Wanting to become a, the president. Yeah, and wanting yeah. to be in Hollywood, etc., yeah. etc. Et okay, so when this movie came out in 1992, it was the number one film on the Japanese market. It won a Best Feature Length Film Award at the 1993 Annalee International Animated Film Festival. And... In 2011, Miyazaki said he wanted to make a sequel of this movie set during the Spanish Civil War, but the studio has since indicated that there's no sequel currently planned. So it does not sound like it will be a thing that happens. Also, because Miyazaki technically retired and then unretired. Right. To release whatever the new film that's coming out this year is. Yes. Okay, so I have my summary from Max. Set in a mid-war Italy, swept by fascism, a bounty hunter with the face of a pig takes on sky pirates terrorizing the Adriatic. Adriatic. I think it was Adriatic. Adriatic. Yeah, I watched this one in English, so they said Adriatic. Okay, I watched it in Japanese, so I did not, could not pick up. I've watched every film so far in Japanese- yeah, I'm trying to do a mix of a little bit of both just so I can get different reference points. And I'm going to be honest, the English voice of Porco Rosso is Michael Keaton. Yeah. Batman. And I, I, the first five minutes of this film, I was like, this is wrong. I was like, mm-hmm. is this the voice that he's supposed to have? So I went and watched the Japanese, the first five minutes of the Japanese, and it is very similar, like in terms of like cadence and tone is what it was like. So I was like, all right, cool. I gotta be honest, I didn't really like this film. No. A lot of people really like it. Like, it clearly scores well um, and, like, reviews well. But I genuinely had... (laughs) I had a lot of problems with it, to be completely honest. Yeah, it was really weird because when I was doing the background, I was reading down these reviews and it's, like, most underrated Ghibli... I was like, ooh... I didn't know when I was first watching it, I didn't know if the English, because I was watching in Japanese, I didn't know if the English subtitles were like putting a spin on the lines, you know? And so I was like, okay. hey, is that right? But it just kept going on. I felt really uncomfortable. My favorite line, quote, thank you for trusting a woman. Loved yeah. that one. I love the line that said, who's that cutie? My granddaughter, who's <laughs> 17. <laughs> I just like I don't I don't know because a lot of the other films in this studio I feel like create a lot of really strong women characters yeah. without having to be incredibly heavy-handed like oh I'm a woman but I'm also a mechanic and I am amazing and it's like it felt so like forced in this yeah. film. 
And, like, just, like, really uncomfortable at times. Like, I get it's 1992. Things were different. You could have 17-year-old child brides and people wouldn't get, like, outraged. Yeah. You couldn't really do that now. Not that that makes it okay, but, like, I don't know. I was, like, I love that this American's, like, I just met you, 17-year-old. Make Let me make you my bride. Yeah. It was, I felt really uncomfortable. I also, beside all the issues, I kind of thought it was boring. It was pretty boring, too. During the middle at one point, I just, like, was, I couldn't pay attention. And then even, like, the end, I was, like, struggling to pay attention. At one point, I, like, had to go back because I, like, missed, like, five minutes. I just wasn't paying attention. I just thought it was kind of boring. And uh, I don't know if I thought it was that way because I was, like, turned off by the the subject matter and, like, by the story. But I just, I think my problem is we've done the pirate thing before right we've done the sky pirate castle in the sky right and like it felt and they were all cool characters we love right. those characters it felt very recycled in a way and i just i don't know i didn't enjoy it that much yeah one of the comments i made about this is this film had too many men too much testosterone yeah also porco rosso is a woman hater a pig and a litterer i wrote he's a sexist pig <laughs> yeah throwing his cigarette butts into the water i, I was like thanks can we talk about when curtis was in those rocks i said the fuck is curtis doing in those rocks he was like ledged in between the rocks yes! and then he jumped out yes and then he had a power pose he had a superhero yeah, that was kind of funny <laughs> I did, you know, honestly, I enjoyed Curtis as a character, the American. Yeah. Also, so in the English dub, he's voiced by Carrie Ells, who's the Princess, Pi- Dread Pirate Roberts in The Princess Bride. Yeah. And he does a great, like, very southern drawl American. Okay. There's one point he goes like, little boy. <laughs> and I love, I just like, I really liked his take on that character. I honestly thought it was fun. Like, he was my favorite part of the film, was that yeah. kind of character. Because he was supposed to be like... He's the American. Right. He's over the top. He's like, he's like eccentric and like, you know, falls in love with every woman he meets kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I wrote multiple lines about how it was boring. I also like, they never told you how he turned into a pig, did they? No. Okay. Well, my, my thought process of what happened, and I could be wrong, is there's the part where he's fighting. He's in a dog fight. And he's like, I was only looking out for myself. Every single person in my group died, except for me. I watched them all die. I think what they're implying is that it's not so much that he is, like, got cursed by some, like, witch or, like, you know, some spiritual thing. I think it's, like, him himself thinks so, like, poorly. Like, he thinks he's a pig, so therefore other people perceive him as that. Okay. remember there's that, like, brief moment where, um... What's her name? Theo? Yeah, uh, she sees him like She normal. sees him as a human. And then at the very end of the film, the same thing where the Americans like your face. Like, right. Like, I think there's like some self like reflection okay. in that. Well, especially like going into the themes of war, which I thought mm-hmm. were really interesting. Yeah. That part was, I thought, interesting where it's basically like, what is the weight of war on someone who survives? Right? Like, he is someone who survived. Mm-hmm. Other a lot of people he knew didn't, and he has to live with that like PTSD, with that guilt, you know, all of the consequent. I said PTSD, <laughs> uh, PTSD, you know, guilt, you know, things that come with being a soldier in war, especially right. like I think that was implied to be World War One. 
Yeah, he. I believe it's World War One. Right, because they said the Great War, which is I think what World War One used to yeah. be called. Yes, I think it is World War One. Isn't that the most death that's ever happened in a war? Was World War One? Yeah, definitely up there if it's not the yeah. most. Yeah. So like you know, it was super impactful just on mm-hmm. everything really. So. I think maybe that's kind of the idea. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Okay. Like, it's almost like their perception of him is changing, so they see right. him. So okay. they see him how he actually is. And then, See, I, I like that yeah. idea. If that's what they're meant to do, I like, I think that's a... That, like, made more sense to me. It than, does. Yeah. Than just than not having anything. I think it's a cool idea, uh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there were definitely moments in, like, at times I felt, like, emotion and, like... Obviously, it's it's a heavy subject, and I don't know. I, my biggest problem was just the plot being too slow, and just some of the, like the moments that like made me really uncomfortable, where I like didn't want to watch it. So because you know some of these like like my neighbor Totoro, and some of these are kind of more like slice of life type movies. They're not yeah. like big dramatic films, and I feel like this awkwardly fits in between both categories. Like right. it's not enough it's like too much to be a slice of life but it's like not big enough to be like an epic like castle in the sky or like grave or, <laughs> or like a princess mononoke which we haven't gotten to but i have seen so yeah um so i feel this like weird like it fits in a weird niche spot so i get why people maybe like see it as like an underrated film and like like it if you like planes you probably like it i really don't give a yeah. shit about planes so yeah i feel I feel like it almost didn't know what it wanted to be and maybe that had something to do with them taking a different direction like they said right. like because it was supposed to be one movie and then there was conflicts and war going on so they changed it so i'm wondering if it just and it was also supposed to be like a shorter in-flight movie and then became a so i'm wondering film. if in that kind of change they lost a little bit of the film um yeah i could see people liking it not my thing yeah not mine either but there were some moments that i enjoyed but overall i was definitely not it was fine, Not though. great. It was you fine. Yeah. yeah. It was fine. Yeah, you want to get into favorites? Sure. Best character, I had to kind of, like, toss it between Curtis the American and Theo, who is the young 17-year-old woman mechanic, because, you know, I thought she was a real, like, had a lot of attitude, but, like, in a good way, was very much like a go-getter, like, she's like, I'm, I know who I am, I'm confident in that, take me seriously, let me show you what I can do. And then just like asserts herself. She's like, you kidnapped me so we can escape. So I liked her and I also did really enjoy Curtis. He brought a lot of comedic stuff to the film that I thought worked a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree. I, I went with Theo. I think that um she, to me, was more compelling. It was a bit like throw in your face. Like she can do anything and, and stuff like that. But um. I don't know. I thought her character was definitely interesting and she was definitely intelligent and knew like how to make things work in their favor, which I which I liked. Um, the scene where they were like at the campsite and mm-hmm. she was kind of, you know, taking control of the situation. So I, I thought she was interesting. Yeah. So I kind of had the same best scene and like Ghibli moment. I really did like that scene where he's telling her the story about the dog fight where he then 
essentially, like, you see him skimming in the clouds and, like, sees, I guess, the representation of, like, the afterlife or, like, a yeah. heaven or however People you People going to, yeah. Yeah, like, the people he was with, planes, like, like, hundreds of planes, like, probably even thousands of planes, just all these people who died in war. From, like, every, a ton of countries. From every country, yeah. Like, it's not just from Italy, because he served right. in, like, essentially, it's like he served in the Air Force in Italy during right. this war and then abandoned it because fascism. Because, as he said... I'm a pig, not a fascist. So, I I did like how that scene was done. So, I did enjoy that. I yeah. Think I, got, I think that scene, like, I got the message. I was like, okay, I see what they're going for. Yeah, my favorite scene and, like, Ghibli moment was that as well. I just thought it was ni- not, it sounds weird to say nice, but, like, I thought they did it well. Yeah. And I thought it was, like, the first time in that film where I was like, okay, this feels like a movie I would expect from the studio. And then favorite line, just kind of for humor purposes, um, it was like at the beginning and one of the pirates was like, halt your hostages. And this little girl says, don't worry, we're on the swim team because they're all jumping into the water. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. That opening scene was very funny when there's just like two girls just like hanging out with a guy like shooting a machine gun. Like it was entertaining for sure. All right. Ready to move to our next one. The next film we're covering in this grouping is called Ocean Waves, or uh, it's also known as Can I Hear the Sea? The reason for that is because the studio did not, didn't ever give it an official English title, um, so it's been known as two different names, although on most media now, it's known as Ocean Waves, so that's what I'm going to refer to it as. So the film was released in 1993. It has an, a runtime of an hour and 13 minutes, which might be our shortest one, and was released as a TV film. So this is the only um, movie in this grouping that we will cover that is a TV film. And we decided to include it because one, it's available on Max. It's only available in Japanese, but they generally in lists of like Studio Ghibli films, it is generally included and has been included like in, I think some box sets or something. So we decided to include it in this grouping as it is a full length film. So, it's described as a coming-in-of-age romantic drama. Um, It was directed by uh, Tomomi Mochizuki, who was a first-time director to the studio, and was this is the first movie that was not directed by either um, Hayao Miyazaki or Takahata. The idea of this film was an attempt to let a bunch of the younger staff of the studio in their 20s, early 30s, to work on a reasonably low-budget film. Unfortunately, it neither stayed below the budget it was supposed to be or took the time. Like, it took way longer than it was supposed to be for the film. And the director, he was 34 when he directed this film, and he said that he developed ulcers from the stress, (laughs) which, love that. So it was animated for Takuma Shoten and the Nippon Television Network. It is based on a novel of the same name. Um, basically, they were released in the um, anim- Animage, Animage manga. So it was released in segments in the Animage manga collection and then was serialized into novels, basically, between 1990 and 1992. So this is based on the first novel. And... It was written by someone, Himuro. I guess I didn't write down a last or first or last name. I just wrote Himuro. So Himuro wrote that. Mm-hmm. 
It has a 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 73 out of 100 on Metacritic, and a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. So for the summary, Ocean Waves is a poignant and wonderfully detailed story of teenage isolation. One sentence. That's all we get. This did not feel like a Studio Ghibli film. It felt very... And I don't mean this in a bad way. It felt very high school anime. Yeah. Not that I've seen a lot of high school animes by any means, but it just, like, felt very, like, high school love triangle drama. Yeah. Like, soap opera-y, but almost, yes. like, gossip girl. Like, very teen, like, show drama stuff that you would see. Like, 90210, like... Yeah, and it makes sense. I didn't know it was a bunch of younger people working on it. That does make sense, having heard that. I don't know that I necessarily, like, dislike this movie. I I didn't dislike it. I think that within it, there was an interesting story. I think the problem for me is it's a story that we've heard. Yes. My problem, Hannah, is that... So there's the main character's name is Taku, right? Mm -hmm. And he has this friend, Yutaka. That should have been a romance. They had great chemistry. I thought the movie was going to end in a gay, like, friend mate. It's 1993, Hannah. I know. It could be, is it implied? I was like, I want them to be together. I wrote five minutes in, he is gay for his friend. Yeah. And then I wrote, I swear these boys are in love with each other. Yes. They're just taking repressed feelings out on one another. Yeah. Yeah, I really thought... That would have made a more compelling story, but again, like you said, it's the 90s. I don't generally know how, like, uh, Japan as a country feels about where they're at on a spectrum. Like, especially in 1993 when this came out, I don't know what might be a thing where they could not do that, you know, at the time. Yeah. Or, like, wasn't culturally acceptable or socially acceptable at the time. I'm not sure. But either way, that's what I wanted. Yeah. If, if we can talk about positives. Yes. I really, really, really enjoyed the music. I thought it was yeah. really well done. I agree. Um, it was like, it worked really well in the scenes. This sounds terrible, but there is a scene where they just slap each other, like, oh, at school. Yeah. And I was like, this is so, like, a bad soap opera, but so entertaining. I was so I, entertained. I wrote something because at one point, he's, like, narrating in his head or whatever, and he said this whole thing was starting to feel like a bad soap opera. Mm-hmm. And like five minutes later, I was like, this is a bad yeah, soap opera. It is kind of like a bad soap opera. Yeah, He's not it, wrong. It, it, was, it was a little bit dramatic at times. I really appreciated him and Yutaka's friendship. Yes. I thought it was like really the best part of the film was the friendship between those two. It's interesting because it, like, it gets established at the very beginning of the film. Right? They're both, like, pissed off that their school's like, y'all suck at school. We're taking away your field trip. Field trip to Hawaii? I got offered a field trip to camp. Yeah, I know. No, so the Hawaii was their their alternative field trip that they went on because the school wouldn't take them to Kyoto. Yeah, but they got to go to Hawaii. We're not traveling to Hawaii. The furthest we went to was Ohio and Chicago. That's as far as I got from the school on a trip basically established that they have similarities because they both are like this is bullshit i i don't give a shit i'm gonna stand up to the school stand up to the patriarchy and then they're like i hate you yeah i liked the line he's like he punched him in the face and then didn't talk to him again until after they graduated i was like fuck does that not give you relationship yes because he's jealous he's like she likes you and i like you right 
it felt very like really it didn't feel like too especially like i don't know how guys are like as friends but i feel like guys can like do the thing where they're like pissed at each other and then they're cool yeah because it's like bro whatever bro code right. or whatever which you know that's american i'm sure that's like yeah. american culture it probably right? is as well yeah i thought the character of rikako rikuko rikako Rikako. yeah i'm not sure rikako i thought she was a very interesting character she gave me like blake lively's character from oh Gossip serena Girl. serena yeah serena yeah. vander woods vander woodson I feel like she kind of gives vibes of that type of character who's, like, kind of mysterious. Yeah. And, like, everyone knows who she is, but she doesn't necessarily have, like, a lot of friends. Like, doesn't fit in, necessarily. Yeah. So I kind of had, like, a bit of that, because she's, like, excellent at sports, excellent at school, attractive. Right. I really hated the part where he was, like, I bought candid photos taken of her at the beach in a bathing suit. Yeah, that was weird. That's something like, a closeted gay would say. Just saying. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really like that they, like, implied they ended up together. Yeah. I, uh, Although, I guess they had time to, like, change and grow. I guess, but, like, the relationship was very unhealthy. Oh, for sure. And I just, I don't know. Maybe I just wanted him to end up with his friend. And I think there's also the aspect that, like, she is coming fresh off a parental divorce where yeah. her dad, like, she wants to live with her dad and he does not want to her to live so with him. So I guess him. she's had time to grow and... Grow and deal with that. Because I think probably, I mean, I don't think therapy was very big in the 90s. She probably was not able to process that in a healthy manner. Right. And took that out on other people. So I get that. Like, again, I have to remember that she is a teenager in a difficult time. Yeah, I just I just wanted him and his friend together. That's what it is. And that, that's why I was disappointed when they had that nice drive. Like, they come back from school and they have a nice drive and talk by the by the ocean. That was my favorite scene was that one. Yeah. I really liked that scene. I also, that was my favorite scene too. Anyway, then I was like, God damn it, they're not getting together. And yeah. I was disappointed. And then I, I was like, oh wait, this is 1993. It wouldn't happen. It's yeah. fine. I did like that the movie like ended how it started. Yeah, I did like too. Like, we saw the final scene in the beginning. Kind of full circle. Yeah. yeah, which was nice. But yeah, I just, um, overall, I think it was, it was okay. It was fine. I don't know that I would, like, watch it again. I don't think so either. I don't think there's anything unique enough to mm-hmm. make me want to watch it again. Right. Because it's very grounded in reality, and it's not necessarily, like, the characters are not that impactful of characters. Yeah. Like, personality-wise and, like what they go through to, like, make me want to watch it again. They're not very memorable, I think. Memorable, yeah. Yeah. And, but it was, it was fine. I didn't hate it. I don't think it's terrible. I think it's fine. But, like, maybe I can kind of tell it's a movie made for TV. (laughs) Maybe it's the way to phrase that. And maybe it was made for teens. Yeah. Which, if I was a teenager, I'd probably, I feel like some shows, when you watch them now, you're like, oh, it's so much drama. When you were, like, younger, you liked them because that's what it, you know. Yeah, Hannah. Like how you love Secret Life of the American Teenager. (sighs) I have to confess something. What? Are you watching it again? Are you watching Secret Life of the American Teenager again, Hannah? Do not tell me you are going through and watching that show again. A couple years ago, during COVID, when I was sick of podcasts, I found a new one where these two girls watch Secret Life as, like, adults. And I just really enjoyed listening to it, and I, you know, so I'm watching it because of the things they say about the episodes, and, like, how ridiculous it is. 
very slowly. I'm very slowly watching it. I forgot Sean Johnson's on an episode. And Ricky Just does to a, say that I keep seeing that clip on my Instagram reels of her being like, you're supposed to take me on a date. And then Ricky does a cartwheel. Yeah, in the hallway with <laughs> drumsticks in his pockets. Yeah, like that would really happen. But yeah, it's more for the fact that they have such a fun time like making fun of it. And I can That's watch fair. it now as like an adult and like realize how bad it actually was. That's fair. As long as you're watching it with the frame of reference that it's bad, that's like, that's fine. I'm not. I honestly, I probably won't even finish it. Um, that's fine. I just, I just was watching it as I was listening to the podcast. Basically, I understand. Yes, it's not because I like casually it. watching it again. I'm like, no, Hannah, please. There's better trash. There's better trash. Also, why I'm watching Glee just to just to finish it finally. That's fine. Which I mean, yeah. That's the thing of its own. Anyways, but yes. So maybe yeah. it was made for teens and that's kind of the vibe yeah. I got because it's like love triangle drama, like all that stuff. So it, it was okay. As an adult, I wouldn't sit there and watch it again. Yeah, I agree. I'm on the same page. Yes. Okay. Favorite character. I get confused with their names. Yutaka. Yutaka. That's the friend. Yes. With the glasses. Yes. Yeah, that was my favorite character. He was my favorite. Um, yeah. Because I feel like he was pretty... I don't really necessarily feel like he did anything wrong. I mean, he did punch someone in the face, which okay. maybe we should say physical violence is not but really But he apologized. He did apologize. He picked him up from the airport. Yes. But yeah, I feel like the whole movie, he was pretty like honest about how he felt and, and stuff like that. So I, I liked him as a character. Um, I thought he was interesting and, and compelling. I would agree. I had the yes. same thing. I thought he was interesting. I liked the dynamic of his friendship, and I liked that he was just kind of like, he was just kind of hanging out, you know? He never did yeah. anything like, out of, like, he wasn't involved in any of the crazy stuff. He just kind of like was there and was like, yeah. hey, this is going on. This is what the deal is. This is what I heard. This is what happened. I'm going to school in Kyoto. Yeah. What's the hot gas? What's yeah. everyone up to? <laughs> What's everyone talking about? Yeah. No, I agree. So, scene I already talked about is the um, pick, getting picked up from the airport when they talk and then go stand by the ocean. I thought that was both the best scene and the best Ghibli moment. I would agree, too. I, I had the same thing written down. I did not have a line. Apparently, I was looking stuff off because I was like, I don't have any memor- memorable lines. Apparently, this was in the film, but I have no idea where it came from. Sometimes what you're looking for comes when you're not looking at all. And I don't know where this happened in the film, but it said it was from this film. And I was like, I guess that's a line. I don't really remember that, but okay. I was like, I guess that's a line. I just watched the movie today, so. I I, did too. I also watched it today. I was like, I don't know where it came from. All right, next movie. All right. Ready for our next film. Which is Pompoco. 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 Rated PG. Came on 1994. Had an runtime of an hour and 59 minutes has a 7.3 out of 10 on imdb and 86 percent on rotten tomatoes and it grossed 4.47 billion uh yen which is equivalent to around 30 million u.s dollars and it was written and directed by uh iso takahata and it uh features tanuki Tanuki, which are known as uh, Japanese raccoon dogs. Or Tom Nook, if you're a fan of Animal Crossing. Yes. What, listen to our Animal Crossing episode. We mentioned him. 
We do. Um, and I, it was interesting because I read that um, the the English raccoon is actually like a misused uh, like phrase or not correctly said. Leave it to America mm-hmm. to ruin everything. So in Japanese folklore, these are considered to be magical creatures that are capable of shape-shifting into people or other objects. And the phrase um, pompoko, uh, which is the title, refers to the sound of raccoons drumming on their bellies, which is fun. So an integral part of the folklore is um, is the raccoons like scrotums, and they're shown and referred to throughout the film. Um, the English dub refers to them as raccoon pouches. Sure does, Hannah. Raccoon yeah. pouches. I watched that Engl- I watched that pouches. English dub this time. I did yeah. too. Uh, in the Japanese, they actually just say scrotum. Or a ball sack, otherwise known as a ball sack. Yes. Yeah, love that. It was the number one Japanese film on the domestic market in the year it came out in 1994. And it was chosen as the Japanese submission for the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. It won the Best, Animati- Best Animated Film at the uh, 49th Mancini Film Awards. And it's the first Ghibli film to use CG effects. On the ball sacks? Maybe. Hopefully. In the Monster Parade, um, various characters from other Ghibli films can actually be seen, uh, including Kiki, uh, Poco, Porco, Porco Rosso, and uh, Toro. And the Tama New Town, which is the town in the um, movie, is actually... A real residential development project, uh, the largest one in Japan that started in the 1960s and uh, went on in phases. Um, there was really not much background on this movie that I could That's find. That's fair. So I kind of just grabbed whatever I could and I'm going to do a quick summary from HBO Max. Or no, Max. Excuse me, Max. It's got a just name now. Max. Summary. How do I say it? T- Tanuki. 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 The Tanuki, raccoon-like, shape-shifting animals, defend their home against construction with a mischievous plan to scare the humans. Uh Let me tell you, when I heard this movie was all about raccoons, I said, sign me up. And then, and then what happened? And then I saw raccoon ball sacks. (laughs) So my first note is that I know absolutely nothing about this film. I, I genuinely don't think I've ever seen a single thing about this film. I've never heard anyone Mm-mm. talk about this film. It's one of the only, I think, one of the only movies from the studio that I'm, for the most part, going in completely blind. Like, some of the stuff I have a very general idea of, maybe, like, a plot or, like, I know a little bit about it. But this one, I was like, oh, raccoons, fun animal adventure. And then I just kept being like, what? Uh, I was... Kind of surprised the movie was rated PG. It's so horny. Yeah, it's I really got horny. really distracted by all the raccoon boobs. Like there's like very yeah. sensual raccoon ladies. Part of the plot is that they're not supposed to hook up because they need to work to kill the humans or get them out of their um, forest. And then they're like, "Oh no, we all got turned on and had babies, and now we have no food because we couldn't keep it in our pants." They went to Pound Town. Keep it in our uh, our raccoon pouches. Our, our pouches. pouches. Yeah, it, it was um, it was something. something. I will say, 
something. I will say, I did appreciate, like, the almost, like, sarcasm and dry humor yeah. at times. And I liked um, how they explained, like, certain things. Like, they talked about how raccoons have dark circles under, under their eyes. It's because being human was so exhausting to yes. them. Um, so I liked how they explained, like, certain aspects of how actual, like, characteristics of raccoons, how they came to be. Like, the... The background, like the folklore of it, they need that energy drinks <laughs> to to right. keep their energy up because otherwise they can't shapeshift if they don't have the energy to do it. Yeah, and um, obviously there was this this like very real plot of like environmental versus like human development and and um, industrialization and like things being destroyed because things are being built uh, so i think there was some seriousness to it and there was like it was kind of sad it was just very depressing but in a boring way yeah you know what the movie is almost two hours and i watched it in chunks and i could only watch like 30 it was minutes at rough. a time like i didn't feel like i get the plot itself is perfectly fine but the studio already has movies that have done this better this like kind of environmentalism yes. like the uh Naushka yeah, of the of valley, valley. Yeah. um even something like castle in the sky kind of does that like yeah. aspect of like preserving heritage and like you know things like that yeah and it was a lot of singing hannah which you know i i have a hard mm-hmm. time with like children kind of singing i said i wrote a note that it was like warrior cats on crack because they're like killing yeah. people yeah it was insane they use their ball sacks to bomb humans and then die in, like, a suicide yeah. <laughs> situation. They didn't like that. The end felt very much like a Captain Planet PSA, which I thought was mm-hmm. fitting for the time frame, because I think Captain Planet was, like, an early 90s situation, so that kind of right. felt like uh, the right timeline. One of, did you notice, Hannah, one of the additional voices of this film was Allison Stoner, which I yes. thought was funny? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. JTT. JTT. The original. The main raccoon. Tanuki. Yes. Yes. So it was very cartoony at times. Very like morbid in terms of all the death and like our entire people are gone. We just keep getting trapped and die or starving to death and they just got to be humans. It's kind of depressing, but it's like it's but it's so boring. There's like old people. This old man turns his ball sack into a boat and then like sails away and then dies, I guess. <laughs> I was like, what is happening, Hannah? Yeah, it was weird. There just was a lot like the, the dream sequence was like a fever dream. I just in the line of movies that we've watched, especially in this chunk, mm-hmm. this one feels real subpar. Yeah, it's weird because um. So far, I haven't been bored with any of these movies. Yes. I find them really captivating. And this was the first time where I was like, okay, how much longer? I kept checking the time. I did too. I kept being yeah. like, is it almost over? Is it yeah, almost there was over? too much um, like side plot and just too many side stories going on. And it got confusing. And I couldn't keep track of who was who because <sighs> it was too much. Yeah. I'm ready to do favorites. Yeah, I just think it was very unfocused, I guess, is how it feels in retrospect. Yeah, it didn't feel like it had much of a, like, drive or, like, a folk, um, like, a cohesive story. story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's get to the favorites. My favorite character was Shokichi? Shokichi? Sure. Shokichi, which was one of the raccoons. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it was one of Which the main one? Rec- the friend. The, the one that was always like morally questioning everything. Like this this uh, isn't right. So the main one? Yes. The JTT raccoon? Yes. Okay. Show show uh show Kichi? So Kichi? Yes. Okay. I just thought um, it was kind of a compelling character and it was like one of the only raccoons that was like, maybe we shouldn't kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my favorite character, I really liked, um, I think her name is Oroku. Orokuru. Uh, Oroku is what I've written down. She's the, like, the wisdom, the old elder yes. uh, woman. She teaches people how to transform. She's kind of like the matriarchal figure of the Tanuki. I just thought she had, like, was the most interesting character to me. Like, she had a lot to do in the film and like we always like to see a respected woman you know in a general sense even though they didn't always listen to her um Mm -hmm. so i liked her i thought she was an interesting character yeah i had a favorite line because i've never related more to a line and it said dozens of raccoons crowded into the temple watched tv all day and lost all desire to accomplish anything else (laughs) i I said that's me (laughs) if that's not me when i go home from work The line that I choose is, quote, they used their balls as weapons. Because I I was like, that sums up the movie. If you got them, use use them. them. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't have a specific favorite scene. I just picked a favorite Ghibli, like, moment. So if you have a favorite scene besides Ghibli, you can... While it was a fever dream, I did think the animation of that dream, kind of like where they're creating all these images in that town that kind of dream sequence. Mm-hmm. I did think that was well done artistically in terms of like the animation and the the feel of that scene. I thought was pretty well done. So I put that yeah. as like a favorite scene. Yeah, for Ghibli moment, I did like the parade um, creepy scene just because I thought it was creative. I thought it was yeah. cool to see and it gave me like a lot of like Tim Burton vibes. It did give a lot of Tim yeah, Burton vibes. Like yeah, like the creepy, like the- Like Beetlejuice almost. Right. Like- and so I thought it was cool to see, like, creative in, like, a different way than I've seen with Ghibli before. It was a lot. There was a lot going on. But I just thought it was cool that they just, like, went for it. And I was like, yeah, I respect yeah. that. Because it was it was one of the moments where I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Which didn't happen much. Right. So that was my favorite scene. But my favorite Ghibli moment, this is an incredibly small thing. But there's an image of a leaf. And then they show the leaf being cut by bulldozed. Like mm. it's bulldozed away. And I thought that like artistic way to show like deforestation was really yeah. interesting and well done. And it's like a five second scene. But I was like, oh, that's really nice. Like I really like the way they did that. Like to visualize a, like the, the, le- the leaf and the forest are disappearing like as the bulldozers go by. So in construction and, and whatnot. So yeah urbanization it's a it's a cool way to show it like it's a cool way to show a concept but it also like has an impact because i remember seeing that too and i was like oh that's like smart to do yeah yeah all right ready to move on all right hannah are you ready to take me home yes country roads to to the the place place where i belong belong. whisper of the heart as our next film it was released in 1995. It has a runtime of 111 minutes, which I believe, if I do the math right now, is one hour 50. and 51 minutes. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's rated G, and it is an animated romantic drama film. So the title Whisper of the Heart was actually created by Studio Ghibli. The original title is Hepburn Mimi no Suma uh, Aseba. 
if and then the translation into English is if you listen carefully. So that was originally a manga um, created in 1989 by um, Aoi Hira, Hiragi. Hiragi, I think. Again, I'm so sorry. We cannot speak Japanese and we're doing our best here. And so the uh, screenplay was written by Miyazaki. And this um, movie was actually directed by Yoshifumi Kondo. Now, Hannah, I learned a lot. So Yoshifumi Kondo was a, is his first time directing a, a full-length feature film. He had previously been an art director on many of the Studio Ghibli films. And he was planned to be the successor of, like, he was going to succeed Miyazaki and Takahata. Like, that was what they planned and they wanted that. But unfortunately, he died of an aneurysm in 1998, so three years after this film came out. And so unfortunately was not able to become a successor. But he, like, was was really well-liked. People really, like, clearly saw potential in him. But unfortunately, this, I believe, is the only film that he directed for the studio, which is sad. Um, yeah. I had no idea that, that uh, this was a thing that had happened, so I'm sorry. It sucks. The composer of this film is Yuji Nomi, and so I think... What I looked most into is why, Hannah, the opening credits of this movie feature prominently the song Country Roads, Take Me Home, originally sung by John Denver. However, the opening version used in this film is an English version, and I honestly, Hannah, had to go and look because I was planning to watch the Japanese version, and I thought I accidentally clicked English when I heard Olivia Newton-John singing Country Roads, but it turns out they purposely put it into their film. R.I.P. And so the um, Japanese version, the characters are translating it into Japanese. Um, that's part of the plot of the film, which is why it was included. I believe that's also a part of the manga as well. The, so the Japanese translation was actually created and translated by one of the producer's daughters of the film. And Miyazaki did some of the supporting lyrics. And so the English dub of this film was recorded in 2003, but it actually wasn't released until 2006. And the reason, Hannah, if you can believe it, if it surprises you, licensing disputes over the song Country Roads. They couldn't get the licensing for three years. So they couldn't release it in English. And it's mainly because it's a major plot point, so they couldn't release it because they can't not have it in the film. So they were like, all right, we'll hold on to it until it's available. There is a location, this film is loosely, or it's it's set in a real life location, which is near Tokyo. And there is a, um, a scene in the movie that takes place kind of near the top of a hill that is a spot in Tokyo where there are a couple shops exist. And so fans of this film will go to those shops and like meet up on like certain, I think like anniversaries of the film. It was the highest grossing film in Japan of 1995. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a Metacritic of 75 out of 100 and has been included in the top 50 and 25 best animated film lists of several compilations. Uh, it is a 7.8 out of 10 in IMBD. It also made 1.85 billion yen, $34.9 million in US dollars. There was a live ver- action version of this film that was released in October of 2022. Also, just because I found this to be interesting, are you aware of the Lo-Fi Girl? Lo-Fi beats 
mm-hmm. to study to and yes. to relax to. So yes. the original image of that uh, playlist was actually a shot of the main character, Sh- Shizuki, um, oh. studying at her desk. Yeah. And it was copyrighted, so they changed it to a generic-looking girl, but a similar mm-hmm. type of look. But she mm-hmm. was the original lo-fi girl. That's cool. I love, I love lo-fi girl. Which, if you're familiar with that, which I was, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I used great. to study that music all the time. I did, it's too. It's quality. If you ever need study music. It's great. Would recommend it. But anyway, so now I have a summary of the film by Max. It also it started um, thundering here a little bit, so. I can't hear I think it'll be okay. But... Yeah. Mainly I see the lightning. I think it'll be okay, but. Oh, that's some big lightning. Challenge by. <laughs> Challenged by Seiji, a boy set on following his dreams, bookworm Shizuko decides to embark on a quest to find her own talent. Her own true talent, excuse me. Hannah, when I started to listen to this film, and we've kind of talked about it, I genuinely was shocked when I heard Country Roads. Yeah. The John Denver classic, Take Me Home, Country Roads. I was... Well, one, I thought I was accidentally listening to the English version. And then I was like, oh, no, this is like a plot point of this film. And then mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> you, you give me John Denver and I'm in. I said they're obsessed with country roads and it's a move I respect. Yeah. I had seen the part of the movie where she sings the Japanese version of country roads, like in the, the workshop with the like the guy uh Seiji's like grandfather and his friends. Mm-hmm. I had seen that before years ago. And I probably was watching like a Studio Ghibli like uh video essay or something, but I genuinely had forgotten that I'd seen that and then I was like, Oh, I've seen this before and I'd forgotten that Country Roads was in the film and I was like, Well, this is great. Yeah. I think this is a very interesting film. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things I really like about it. I like this idea of trying to find your passion and following dreams and like daydreaming, like that drive, like young ambition, like that drive to like do something that makes you feel like you're impacting your life or impacting the world in some way. Mm-hmm. But then I got really confused at the very end of the film when he was like marry me and she was like yeah and i'm like they're teenagers like they're like she's in middle school yeah which i think middle school is a little bit older but still than it is here i wrote if a man came up to me when i was in middle school and asked if i could have seen myself getting married to him i would have died apparently the english dub and the the sub like the subtitled version of the japanese version have different like and like conversations oh. like apparently it goes uh, like it, it's the same thing but it's like phrased differently so i watched it in english i can't remember what the difference is between the two but i like was reading something about that and i didn't write it down because there's too many words and i was like i don't have space yeah. for this but i yeah i like there were a lot of things i really like her like writing her book mm-hmm. like the kind of fantasy dream sequences i thought were really really interesting and really yeah. well done when they went into like her writing and it was like right visualize it yeah those were really cool and i also liked that this kind of was like a teenage love story Mm because we kind of got that um ocean waves is kind of like a romance film yeah um i think that ghibli does a really good job of doing like young like love and romance really well Mm -hmm. where it's like endearing and sweet and there's this sort of like innocence to it yeah um and i liked how like he wasn't like the only thing in her life like i liked how she right. 
wanted to become a writer and she wanted to write because she wanted to figure out who she was. And she was like, she was motivated by him. Right. She wanted to prove herself. Right. And so I, it, I liked how it wasn't like, oh, I want this guy to like me. So I'm going to become a great writer. It was like, no, I want, I'm motivated by seeing him doing something he's passionate about. And like, I want mm-hmm. that too. But I mean, there were some interesting things like when her parents yeah. were like, yeah, go do what you want. And yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. if you go to school. I'm like, okay. They were like, sure. Take, they're not like clearly not happy, but they're like, sure. If this right. is what you need to do, do it. Um, but yeah, I thought that there were some really nice, like, simple moments between the two of them. I liked how the, the sole focus was on just, like, the two of them mostly. Right. And I said, just like Lizzie, he has to go to Italy. Yes. Find himself. <laughs> Sing to me, Paolo. Sing to me, Paolo. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought it was, um, like, a sweet film. And yeah, it was definitely engaging. Um, it was nice going from the previous film to this one where I was like, oh, this is a story I care about. And um, I liked that it was very set in real life, but we had these moments of like fantasy, yeah. like made up world where there's a talking barren cat, which design was great on that cat. Yeah. I love that design. I was like, it was a very dapper cat. Yeah. And I liked the scenes of her and the older, the grandpa. Yes. And I liked the scenes of her and her dad. I thought that was really yeah. sweet. Yeah, I just thought they did the the story really well, and it was just like a sweet, you know, charming story. Yeah, yeah. and I I did find it very f- interesting that a major plot point is them trying to write a Japanese version of Country mm-hmm. Roads. I'm like, was Country Roads big in Japan? Maybe. Like, was that a yeah? Was that a big song? I don't. I genuinely don't know. I feel like there has Maybe? to be some sort of significance, or like the creator really liked it because the. What's the point of putting country roads right. in? It's just like such a strange choice. Oh, you know what? I take it back. I read that that is kind of symbolizing this like, like a nostalgia for something you don't have. Yeah. And I think that fits kind of the theme of the themes of this film. Mm-hmm. And I guess the manga of directly drawing from that. Yeah, I could see it. But yeah, you know, I really liked it. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it yeah. was um, fun. I was, yeah, I was very engaged the whole time. So mm-hmm. two thumbs up. I liked the character. Yeah, all the characters were really good. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with any of the characters either. Yeah. Okay. Who is your favorite character? Uh, my favorite character was uh, Shizuku, mm-hmm. the main character. I liked her drive. I liked that she wasn't perfect. She was very supportive of her friends, which was nice to see. You know, getting a little bit of a love triangle there, navigating that fine. I can relate to the, like, wanting to do something greater mm-hmm. and, like, daydreaming and, like, visualizing that and then like maybe not succeeding exactly but like still doing it you know and i liked that idea like i could see some of myself especially my younger self like in her so i like i liked her as a character yeah i i really liked her i actually kind of want to go with the the two of them together like because i thought they played off each other really well i really liked his like humor at the beginning when he was like kind of making fun of her but it was like in an endearing way Mm mm-hmm and yeah, I think it was cool that she, they both were ambitious. They both, yeah. obviously young, like younger people, teenagers, but they both had these like passions and they really wanted to explore them. Yeah. So I thought both of them together was just like a really nice combo. And it's nice to see like um, a healthy younger relationship yeah. because I feel like a lot of times movies and shows portray, they always do like these unhealthy, like jealousy relationships yeah. and all this stuff. And it's kind of... Nice to just see, like, a normal, like, oh, these two people both like each other, and they're both young, and they both can be on their own, but they're, like, they like being together, and I like to see that, so, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. 
Yeah. Um, so my favorite scene was the country road scene. Mm-hmm. It was very great. It was very engaging. I liked that, like, as she's, because, you know, she's like, I'm not much of a singer, but, like, as he's playing the violin and she, like, grows in confidence, like, it, mm-hmm. it kind of builds and then, like, his grandfather and their friends come and kind of accompany her. And I thought that was a really well done scene. Plus, it's country road. So what's not to like? Yeah, I really like that scene. I went with the scene where they were, I think they were at, like, the school. They were standing on the balcony, just the two of them, and mm-hmm. all the kids were, like, trying to watch. Yeah. Um, I just thought... I heard that. Meow. Carl. I just liked the scene. I thought it was, like, pretty sweet, and it was so simple, but I liked the music. Um, The music was really good with the scene and the animation, and I just liked... That it was just the two of them, but all these people were yeah. trying to, like, see. Right. And, um, but, yeah, I, I did like the country roads scene as well. Yeah. Um, so my favorite line, it's, like, a very short, but I feel like impactful line for this film. And it's, um, I believe it's Shizuku who says it, um, that's wanting is not enough. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like, you can want something, but you can't get it unless you're willing to put in the work yeah. and, like, get there, find a way to get there. And I thought that was, like, a, a very realistic take, especially yeah. for a teenager to have and, like, to discover through this, you know, journey of trying to write a book. I did not write a line down. Um, okay. There wasn't any, like, particular line. Like, there were scenes that I really liked, but there wasn't one that, like, stood out to me, so I just didn't mm-hmm. write one down. But my favorite Ghibli moment was the scenes with her book, like, coming to life. Yeah. The music and the animation and the, the just the style they did was really cool. And it was really cool to see, like, something you're trying to envision in your head, like, actually laid out for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like those moments. I agree. I also put that the dream sequence of like the the visualness of like visually being able to tell the story. Like I feel like it was more vibrant than mm-hmm. the rest of the animation, so it like really stood out. Yeah. Also, because I when I was a teenager, I also was writing a story, and I'd like write during school and like scraps of paper and like write, and you know it was terrible. But you know I was writing it, and it was a it was a hobby of mine for a long time. So I can relate to that being able to like visually see like your scenes. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. All right. Okay. You ready for the final movie? Of the set? I if it's sure the final am, movie. if my my phone wasn't going off in notifications. Are you final ready for the, the set. next movie? Yes, it may be the final. Just in case. Yeah. Princess Mononoke? Princess Mononoke. Mononoke. Rated PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, released in nineteen ninety seven and it was two hours and thirteen minutes. Had an eight point three out of ten on IMDB a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and box office of $194.3 million. Yeah. This movie is written and directed by um, Hayao Miyazaki, and the movie is set in the late Miromachi period of Japan, which is estimated between 1336 to 1573 AD, but it also includes certain fantasy elements. So this movie deals with themes of um, Shinto, which is a um, religion that originated in Japan, and environmentalism, mm-hmm. um, sort of the mixture of the two. I think we, I think we talked about it in our um, intro to oh, okay. uh, to Ghibli as a whole. I think mm. I could be wrong. Maybe I made that up, but yeah, yeah. the term. Um, Mononoke isn't actually a name, but um, a Japanese word for supernatural shape-shifting beings that possess people and cause suffering, disease, and death. Wow. Love that. It was the first Studio Ghibli movie in the U.S. to be rated PG-13. 
Um, it's considered a critical and commercial success. It became the highest grossing film in Japan of in 1997, and it held Japan's box office record for domestic films until... Spirited Away? Yes, 2001 Spirited Away. I knew it. So that's a long time. That's 14 years that's, between that's Japanese four, that's, box office. That's four years. Oh, <laughs> I can't do math. It's okay. I was like, uh, you're off about 10 years. For some years reason, there, I read but... it as 1987. I, mean, I don't four know. Four years is still a long time, you know? That is a long time. Yeah. Not as impressive. Um, it, this movie greatly increased uh, Ghibli's popularity and influence outside of Japan. The original design and idea for this began in the late 1970s. Um, Miyazaki began drawing sketches for this film. And um, they said that. Uh, when he really started getting into it, like in the 19, it was like 1994, 1995, something like that. He had to kind of change up his idea because a lot of the elements he was thinking about adding were prevalent in um, My Neighbor uh, Totoro. Oh, gotcha. um, And so mm-hmm. he didn't want it to be too similar. So he had to kind of go away from it for a little bit and then come back. Yeah. Um, so this was the top grossing anime film in the U.S. in January 2001 when it was um, released in like a United States audience for people to see. It appears on many uh, different rankings lists. James Cameron has cited this film as being an influence for his movie Avatar. Um, he yeah. said he draws a lot of, you can see a lot of similarities between like the um, the world and a lot of the different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first animated feature film to win the um, Japan Academy Prize for Best Picture and composed by our good old friend, Joe Hisaishi. Hisaishi. Is that Hisaishi? Yeah, we figured out how to Hisaishi. say it. Hisaishi. Yeah, we learned Hisaishi. how to say it because we heard it like 800,000 yes. times. And in 2012, it was brought to the stage between an agreement uh, with Studio Ghibli and a British theater company called Whole Hog Theater. Oh. And the first show um, sold out a year in advance, like within oh, God. within like a day or something like that, a couple days. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So a uh, very big film for the studio. Yeah. The last couple movies we've been reviewing in this set, like the last five, I feel like are not necessarily like the mainstream known yeah. films from the studio. And this is the next big one that like I know is like was a hard hitter. Yeah. Okay. So summary. Uh, a cursed warrior stumbles into a war between a girl raised by wolves and the people of Irontown. That's it. That was from Max. Nice. Can I just say first off, mm-hmm. what a soundtrack. Oh, it's so oh good. Oh my god. Like, it slaps. And I've seen this film before. Yeah, every song my was god. like perfectly placed. The first bit of the film, it just like swells. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's like, yes, this is just, it's hitting me in the face. I'm like, it's so good. The first song that plays, I wrote a note that it reminds me of like music from Avatar The Last Airbender. It does. It, it was very like reminiscent. The, um, the deer god, when it's the mm-hmm. Nightwalker, I could heavily see the ocean spirit influence and yeah. some of those influences on that show from this film i feel like we have not gotten this style of film i think since naushka right Mm -hmm. like those two films have a lot of similarities i feel like when you compare them next to each other they have a lot of things in common including a a boss bitch without an arm oh yeah 
Lady Eboshi also, the lady in Naushka didn't have an arm. Yeah. She had a trick arm. She had a metal arm. And Lady Eboshi also loses an arm at the end of this film. But she's also like the matriarchal leader of like a, a nation, of a group, like a city, getting shit done, getting the women to work. I loved her. She's great. Yeah, she's a great character. And I, I like that she's also very morally flawed. Yeah. You're not supposed to like her, but I do. I but like you she's do. a well done character. Yeah. She, um, all the women like in her like town village, she's like saved. And when I was reading the background, it said that it's like they don't specifically say, but they like were all sex workers and she essentially like saved them and like brought I them. I kind of assumed yeah. that that was the intention. Yeah. They don't like, they don't specifically say it. We love yeah. that. We love a woman yeah. who. Picks up other women and then teaches them to fight. And was like, these women can yeah. handle it. Yeah, I loved it. It was, it's a very like, we said this before, like Studio Ghibli knows how to do strong female characters. Yeah. And, and write them well. Yeah. And certainly like this movie, I could feel it. Cause there's, you know, two main characters. And then there's also like a bunch of side characters who are just like, we got this. We don't need men. Yeah. I'm like, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit disturbing. It's incredibly gory yeah but hannah it's funny so when i was like thinking about what i remember about this film um we rented it from the library first time i saw it i think when i was in high school and the main thing i remember from the very like beginning of the film is i have a very distinct memory of watching um his name is ashtaka yes i think the main character yes he pulls a bow back his arm goes hulk mode and he just shoots a guy's arm off yeah and then his head to a tree and then his head and i was just like i remember being aghast i was like what it's violent it's gory it's very uh game of thrones yeah it's very game of thrones with like the very disturbing at time like the boars are so gross like they look nasty um the spaghetti looking motherfucker yeah this thing spaghetti yeah the spaghetti virus I hated that. <laughs> and I wrote down, there's a point later where he uh, he also draws a bow and he's like, shoots a guy's head off. And I was just like, step away from the Rotas boy, they'll chop your head clean off. Yeah. It's um, like, my God. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I like this movie a lot. I think it's one of those movies where it makes like a good point, but it doesn't like hit you over the head with it. Um, yeah. I felt like the... Um, Tom Poco, like, really, like, hit you over the head with it. Yeah. And I felt like this movie did a good job of... It did it in such, like, a nice way where you didn't feel like it was too much. It's interesting compared to Pom Poco because, like, that movie is under two hours. And I kept yeah. being like, is it almost over? When is it going to end? But this movie, like, it's over two hours. And I feel like at no point was I, like, well, how much is left When is it going to end? Like, when yeah. is it going to end? Like, it feels like it's the right... It feels like it's the right length. Yeah. It, uh, it flowed really nicely. And yeah. I thought the side plots worked really well. Like they all, they all co- cohesively like flowed together really well. And um, it was just, it's nice. It's nice to see movies where like there's like this romantic interest, but then like in the end they don't end up together. Yeah, yeah, I, I like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, because I there's like this assumption that anytime two characters get introduced as romantic interest, they're gonna end up together. It's kind of nice to, like, be like, oh, I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to go do my mm-hmm. thing and we'll, like, see each other. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's nice because that's realistic. I also like that because she's, like, essentially raised by wolves, like, when she's, like, moving and, like, fighting, they animate her to be incredibly feral. Yeah. And I was like, I like that, like, representation that, like, the, even the animation movements of her are kind of different than the other humans, you know. 
I think she almost like because at one point she says like I'm wolf like she believes it so much that she acts that way and um yeah I liked like the subtle things like how at the end they were like um it has to be raised by humans and she like goes to raise it because the whole movie she's like I'm not a human I'm not yeah and she finally like accepts it um Mm -hmm. but then at the end she's like I don't I just don't trust them and I don't want to be near them and I'm like that's totally fair because they just like destroyed your whole home right they ended it well, like, where it didn't have to be super wrapped up, but it, it left things open. Yeah, I was going to say it was yeah. open-ended and non-finite, which I think was nice. Mm-hmm. I will say, I just want to make another comparison to Avatar, because I feel like the, this is the movie that I can see the most inspiration yeah. from, at least for the original show. Much like the water spirit, uh, the ocean spirit, the head gets chopped off the, the deer, uh, the deer god, as the, the fish, the koi pond, the fish gets slashed and dies, so then... Everything turns to shit, like the moon goes away and like everything starts dying. But once they revitalize the fish and or return the head, everything goes back to a sense of normalcy. But it's not exactly the same as it was. It's a little bit different, but the cycle of life goes on in the same way. Yeah. It's like the princess gives her life to the fish. Mm-hmm. So it's like a new spirit. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I just think it was nice. It, it didn't feel like a long movie. And I thought the plot was really well done and, and the characters were all pretty strong. I, a, another note I have is I really love the costuming of the characters. Mm-hmm. I think are really unique, really like stand out, like especially the differentiating between these different groups. Mm-hmm. I feel like they did a really good job to like create these like distinct looks, but also I really like the designs of all the spirits as well. Like, yeah. They also feel very distinct and very, like, um, like a standout. I liked, like, the art direction of this film. I thought it was really well done um, for both the people and the spirits. Yeah. Maybe not so much the boars. <laughs> yeah. Could have done without the crusty eyes, but, you know, it's fine. I agree because um, it's nice because sometimes in movies when there's so many different sides, you can't keep track of who's who. And I felt like it was really easy to keep track of who everyone was because of yes. the costumes and, like, the design. I don't know if there's anything else to say. Just a lot of, a lot of good. I, I, yeah, I don't have really much negative to say. Everything's pretty positive, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Favorite character was Lady Iboshi. I loved her. I I put both Lady Eboshi and Ashitaka. I bit yeah. both of them. I double dipped. I was like, I can't yeah. pick between them. I like them both a lot. Yeah. I was so pissed when he stabbed Lady Eboshi. I was like, how dare you? Yeah. I was mad. It's fine. Did you like where the wolf head, just the head, oh, flew yeah. and just chomped her arm off for yeah. last, one last revenge? <laughs> Which I'm like, you know what? Fair. She killed a deer god. Yeah. She I loses think, an arm. Um, you don't want to root for her, but you also do. It's like, I can understand her point of view. Where she's coming from. She is in charge of this this community, this village, town, whatever you want to call it. She's like, wants to support them. And the way to do that is to, you know, make guns. Yeah. Fight enemy groups like the samurai. They have to have lumber. They have to tear down part of the forest to do that. And she's just trying to provide a better life for people. Because there's the group of people who I don't exactly remember what uh, disease or ailment they had, but that were people in bandages and she was oh, providing yeah. them with jobs to, so that they could have purpose in, you know, in life. And I can't I remember exactly what it was. I think it's supposed to be, I think it's I like remember reading or... that it's supposed to be leprosy. Leprosy? Okay. Yeah, so they like, don't exactly say it, but it's supposed to be leprosy. And like putting the women to work and like she is very like, cares for her people. Yeah. But, you know, is also like willing to do what needs to be done to keep them safe. I would rather you not destroy the environment, but I understand. I do think it's hard, though, like, 
you're in charge and you're responsible for these people. And so it's like sometimes you have to make these decisions that maybe right. you wouldn't make in other circumstances because it's right. it's more than just like you. It's like you're trying to protect everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end, she does get a little bit of like an arc because she's like, oh, like the forest. I didn't know the forest could grow such beautiful things or whatever. So I think she at the end can realize and understand. Yeah. And she's like, we'll rebuild something better right. than what we had. And I'm like, I optimistic you know yeah so i think it was nice to see and definitely a compelling character for sure yeah Yeah. and i think like i what i liked about ashitaka is that he's he will make sacrifices for the greater good like uh selfless selfless yeah Yeah. that's the word i'm looking for he has to leave his village he's banished Mm -hmm. has to leave everyone behind has to travel to a new place and like conceive the good in all people I think mm-hmm. that's the one thing I liked about him is he was able to look at these two groups and relate to both of them and want both of like there's trying to find a way for them to work together to yeah. be able to support each other. And so I appreciate the the selfless selflessness of mm-hmm. his character to be able to do those things. Because yeah. I think without him, that wouldn't have happened. No, he was sort of like the middle, like the mediator between the two. Right. Um, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I had a favorite line and I didn't write it like word for word, but basically okay. it was like, because I love how in movies and shows, men in power always, like, run away and they're, like, hiding. And at one point, Lady um, Eboshi's just like, I'm here, come get me. Like, she's just standing out in, like, the open. <laughs> yeah. Like, when um when she, like, breaks into their, like, town for the first time, she mm-hmm. just, like, pops out. She's like, I'm here. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like, yeah, we love that. I liked that, too. There's a line that I liked by, um, I can't remember what his name is, but he's the guy who's, like, coming from the emperor. And he's the guy oh, collecting yeah. the, the deer head. And as they're trying to, like get him to give it back to them being like you have to give it back he said the thirst to possess heaven and earth is what makes us human and i'm like i feel like that's a really good way to describe greed um especially in like people of power willing to do anything to to access that like greater you know heaven and earth essentially so i I thought it was a really impactful line that i'm like it's very real especially like today as well oh definitely you know so i thought that was well well written line yeah favorite scene i really like like opening scene just the uh the opening music and then going into like the beginning couple minutes because it just jumps right into action oh good yeah and it's really intriguing and he's like chopping people's i'm like what is happening there was so much happening but it was like so investing and it's a good way to start a movie because i was immediately drawn in i think potentially might be the best opening we've seen so far i think so far so to me it's the most memorable yeah I think it's one of those I'll remember. I also put that as my favorite scene as well. Because I, yeah, like the swelling of that sound, like mm-hmm. that soundtrack is so good. And I was like drawn right in and it's like scenery and like they give you a little bit of text over silence and then you swell into this like immediately you're in and you're like, okay, something's going wrong. Something's yeah. wrong with the boars. They got a little spaghetti disease. Yeah, it's gross. Um, but yeah, I thought I think it's a really, really good way to start a film. Yeah. Um, at least so as far as we've gotten in our watching, I think this might be the best opening. I would agree. Moment, I'm just going to say all the scenes with music. Yeah, that's fair. That's one of those things that Ghibli in particular, the composer, Joe Hisaishi. 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 Every film he's on, I think the music so much adds to scenes and... It's always there for a purpose. It's not just placed in. Because sometimes you watch movies and there's just random songs. And I'm like, why? What was that choice? Um, (laughs) I'll never forget the episode of Secret Life where she has the baby and they play the whole entire um, Stand By Me. Oh, God. As all the characters filter in and out. I'm like, what is happening? 
but yeah, so I just thought it was any moment where the music played, it came in perfectly, and I thought mm-hmm. it really added. So I'm actually going to do the opposite of what you did. Okay. And I really liked the silent scenes. Like, no yeah. noise, no sound. Um, especially, like, specifically, these were usually with the the uh, deer god, where, like, the deer god walks up, like, walks across water, does, you know, essentially either gives life or takes it away. There's nothing. There's no sound. I will say specifically great sound direction, both in the soundtrack use and, like, the silence. The use of silence I thought was really well done. And I really liked that scene of him or the deer just, like, showing up. But just, like, it was very, like, impactful, I felt. Yeah. So I went with that, like, incredibly silent scene. I thought was really well done. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's interesting for a film to be able to do both silent and non-silent themes. Right. Uh Scenes. Scenes. Oh, I was like, I'm, themes? I'm like, what are you I was really say? confused for a second. Um, theme. <laughs> Fleens? Scenes. Scenes really well. Um, I think movies either do one or the other. I think that speaks to the film and to the product as a whole that like, right. we both picked a favorite moment. It was a completely yes. different thing, but they both are done so well. I, I'm also going to put it out there. I think potentially... Probably maybe tied with Castle in the Sky for my favorite soundtrack of a film. Yeah, it's it's got a really good soundtrack. It's close because Castle in the Sky has a really, really well done yeah. sound. Like score, movie score is really well done. So far, I think it's pretty close to the top. Like my favorite soundtrack. It might be changed when we get to our next episode. I can't remember what's in the next one, but sure. You've seen it. Spirited Away. Yes. Okay. It's coming up soon. 2001, baby. I was going to say, we got to be close because... 2001, we got four years to go. 14 years. <laughs> 14 years to go. But yeah, so that is our uh, second episode. Mm-hmm. We've covered another collection of movies. Uh, pretend like we covered these movies right directly after we did our first episode and not a year later, like we have actually done. Yeah. Shh, no one has to know. Definitely didn't delay this episode for like three weeks because I kept forgetting about it, but... No, it's fine. No, we wouldn't do that. We're professional. We wouldn't do that. But yeah, so you can um, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we do have an X or Twitter account, but we're not really super active on it. Yeah, right I now. haven't posted, and I'm probably gonna maybe get rid of it. But we also have a letterbox. Our uh, three podcasts, our yeah. three podcasts at gmail.com. You can please feel free to let us know, give us any thoughts, comments, critiques. We'd love to hear them, um, and we will see you with our next episode, and then eventually our next set of uh, Ghibli movies. Yeah, and I just want to say um, the first Ghibli episode that was released got a lot of positive feedback from people I know, and a lot of people liked it, so thank you for the support. It's cool. We are now doing this in a time that's not a complete lockdown, whereas with Pixar, we had nothing to do, and so we could watch 22 movies back-to-back-to-back and record episodes within, I think, what we do, two or three months we recorded all those episodes? Yeah, a short amount of time, yeah. We don't have the time, the the mental capacity to do it the same way we did it previously, so we appreciate the support. Yeah. But yeah, we'll be back with another episode soon, so bye. Bye. We would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's r, the number three, p-o-d-c-a-s-t-s at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat.
Okay. Would that help? No. Girl. Okay. Girl. Well, you're not going to start crying. I had to do I gotta do my intro. <laughs> Stop. Are you done? It's never done. Carl. Maybe you should do yours first. All day. Hit me All up. All day, every day. I'll eat meat and eat. I'm slurping it down. <laughs> slurp, slurp. Uh-huh. Slurp, slurp, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's out of the way. I have sweat dripping down my foot. It's disgusting.